welcome you here to Peachtree on this solemn night as we remember the sacrifice of our Lord. We experience coming together at his table and we look forward to the resurrection. Won't you stand as we worship the Lord? seated. He paid a debt that he did not owe because we owed a debt that we could not pay. God does not forgive excuses. God forgives sins. And when you and I confess our sins, God delights in forgiving. Together as the community of faith, shall we together corporately pray together our confession. Eternal God, whose covenant with us is never broken, we confess that we fail to fulfill your will. Though you have bound yourself to us, we will not bind ourselves to you. In Jesus Christ, you serve us freely, but we refuse your love and withhold ourselves from others. We do not love you fully or one another as you command. 
Have mercy on us and cleanse us. Lead us once again to your table and unite us to Christ, even as we continue our confession in silence. Amen. Hear the good news of Scripture that if we confess our sins, that God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In Christ Jesus, we are forgiven. Amen. Our Holy Thursday lesson tonight comes from the Gospel of Luke. Then came the day of the unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare it, they asked. He replied, as you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters and say to the owner of the house, The teacher asks, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs. All is furnished. Make the preparations there. They left and found things just as Jesus had told them, and so they prepared the Passover. And when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. Let us pray. Our gracious and loving Father, amidst all the changing words of our generation, will you now speak your eternal word that never changes. Help us to understand why this night is different from every other night. 
And we pray these things with great anticipation in the strong name of Jesus and all of God's people said. Jesus has kind of a strange phrase in the midst of this story. He says, I've eagerly desired to eat this Passover meal with you before I supper. It's kind of a strange phrase, and so I'd like to tell you a story, I'd like to give you a grammar lesson, and then I'd like to tell you what it all means. But first, a story. The story has to do with a friend of mine by the name of Drew. Drew and I went to college together, and Drew is known for his meticulous planning, and Drew asked me to help him with his engagement. And Drew, wanting to capture this moment, and this being back in the Stone Ages before you had video cameras on your phones, needed to purchase a video camera because he wanted to capture the magic of his engagement. And so he got online and he researched all different kinds of video cameras. But even after looking at all the different reviews online, he was still not 100% sure which one he wanted to buy. He had some questions that he wanted answers for. And so, not knowing where some of these companies were, he picked up the phone and called customer service to see if he could get some of his questions answered. And the first place that he called was, even though he was located in rural Iowa, he was calling Brooklyn, New York. And he called and started to talk to an individual that he could barely understand because of his thick accent. And he said, well, I want to ask you about this camera. And the guy interrupted him. He said, no, not a camera. This is a beautiful, beautiful camera. <laughs> and for the whole rest of the conversation, he would never refer to it as the camera. He only referred to it as the beautiful, beautiful camera over and over again, as if saying the word beautiful wasn't enough that he had to say it twice to make the point. Well, if we have any grammar cops here in the room, what that man in Brooklyn was doing was known as putting two words in apposition to one another. And you put two words in apposition to one another in order to make a point. We do this in English all the time. We say, it was really, really cold outside, or I am really, really hungry. Or you might say, hey, you're the best. You're better than all the rest. You're saying the same thing, but you're saying it again in order to really make the impact of your point. And so when Jesus says, I have eagerly desired to share this Passover meal with you, what we can't tell in English, but what is there in the original language of what Jesus says, he says the same thing twice to make sure that we don't miss it. He basically says, I desire, desire to eat this meal with you. Now, what's interesting about this is that Jesus does this two other times in the Gospel of Luke. One time in a story where Lazarus is desiring the scraps that come from the rich man's table. And one other time when the prodigal son looks at the pig slop and he is so hungry that it says that he desires the pig slop with that kind of desire. What does all of this mean? It means that as you come tonight and as we gather at this table, Jesus has a disproportionate hunger and desire and longing to meet you and to share this Passover meal with you and me. 
for a certain period of time, I lived in Houston, Texas, and part of what made living in Houston, Texas as an adult kind of special is that I got to live with my grandfather. I've lived with my grandparents in three different ages of my growing up, but on this particular time frame, grandmom had gone and already been with the Lord, and granddad and I lived together, and then after Kelly and I got married, uh, we lived in my grandparents' house while he moved out to a retirement community. And so we took care of the house and lived there. And once a week, we had granddad over for dinner. Once a week, he would come and sit at the kitchen table that he had sat at for over 50 years. Once a week, we would cook for him His favorite was for us to cook fish because he said Evelyn would never cook fish for him because it always stunk up the whole house. We moved away after a certain time period of being in Houston. God's call took us elsewhere. And granddad, who was not prone to exaggeration, sent me emails saying how much he missed our weekly dinner gatherings together. And in one of those emails, he said, I miss you and love you more than you will ever know. This was remarkable for me to hear because my grandfather never told my mother that he loved her out loud until she was 65 years old. And so when he said it, he really, really meant it. What I couldn't fully appreciate at that moment of my life was the disproportionate longing. I enjoyed having dinner with my grandfather. I liked it. But my grandfather had a very different perspective of that same meal. He longed to sit with us at that table. He really, really hungered to be there. You will misunderstand tonight if you think that Jesus' attitude towards this table is, it would be nice if we could get together. It's not. Jesus is deeply desirous with a disproportionate longing, something that we can't fully comprehend on this side of glory. And he longs for you to join him a table in the kingdom of God. And so on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and after blessing it, he broke it and said, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this, remember me. And in the same way, after the supper, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant, the new promise poured out in my blood for the forgiveness of sins. And whenever you drink of this, you do so and you remember me. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the dying and the rising of the Lord until he comes again in power and in glory. Let us pray. Our gracious and loving Father, we cannot fully understand how much you desire to be with us in this moment because it's a disproportionate longing. For us, it's 
something that we like to do, a nice to do. For you, you hunger to be with us. Arrest our imaginations, dear God, for this deep desire and hunger that you have for our fellowship. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the very end, to the completion. And so help us to have a glimpse of that completion at this table. And draw us into your desire that our longing would be swept up in your love. Thank you that you pursue us. And we pray all of these things in the strong and anticipating name of Jesus. Amen. Will the servers come? The table is now ready.
Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Those who come to me will never be hungry. Those who believe in me will never thirst. Won't you pray with me now? Oh, Lord, we thank you for your presence with us at table, for keenly desiring to share this meal with us. We know that you are here, that you have provided this day and always for our deep needs. We remember that you laid down your life for us, your friends. You spread this table before us in which you were the host and even the meal itself. We thank you that this table stretches back into the past to your own table and forward into heaven itself where you sit at table in joy with those who have gone before us. Help us to know the depth of your love as we walk with you tonight and tomorrow into the darkness and out the other side into the miracle that we know is waiting because you promised and you are faithful. Lord, we belong to you, body and soul. Lead us now through the valley of the shadow. Amen.
The Shadow of Betrayal. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Where do you want us to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? He replied, Go into the city to a certain man and tell him, The teacher says, My appointed time is near. I am going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve, and while they were eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. They were very sad and began to say to him, one after the other, Surely you don't mean me, Lord. Jesus replied, The one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to the man who, that, who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Then Jesus, Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely you don't mean me, Rabbi. Jesus answered, You have said so.
the shadow of vigil. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Could you men not keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter, Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak.
the shadow of a rest. Jesus went out with his disciples across the Kidron Valley to a place where there was a garden, which he and his disciples entered. Now Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place because Jesus often met there with his disciples. So Judas brought a detachment of soldiers together with police from the chief priests and the Pharisees, and they came there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Then Jesus, knowing all that was to happen to him, came forward and asked them, For whom are you looking? They answered, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus replied, I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. When Jesus said to them, I am he, they stepped back and fell to the ground. Again, he asked them, for whom are you looking? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. So if you are looking for me, let these men go. This was to fulfill the word that he had spoken. I did not lose a single one of those whom you gave me. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it, struck the high priest's slave, and cut off his right ear. The slave's name was Malchus. Jesus said to Peter, put your sword back into its sheath. Am I not to drink the cup that my father has given me? So the soldiers, their officer, and the Jewish police arrested Jesus and bound him.
the shadow of crucifixion and death. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, He saved others. Let him save himself if he's God's Messiah, the Chosen One. The soldiers also came up, and they mocked him. They 
offered him wine vinegar. If you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under his same sentence? We are punished justly, for we were getting our deeds, what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. It was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, for the sun stopped shining, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last.
The Shadow of the Tomb. Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices and strips of linen. This was in accordance with the Jewish burial customs. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid because it was the Jewish day of preparation. And since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there.
my God, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from my cries of anguish. My God, I cry out to you by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is turned to wax. It is melted within me. My mouth is dried up. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs surround me, a pack of villains encircles me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display and people stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes amongst them. They cast lots for my garment, but you, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength, come quickly to help me. All the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who go down to the dust will kneel before him. Those who cannot keep themselves alive, oh, posterity will serve them. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn, he has done it. <laughs> 